Good morning, everyone. Our first reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. Our second reading today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. How many of you as children played in a sandbox? Let me see your hands. Wasn't that great? Like, those were part of our good old days. Staying outside until it was dark, getting filthy, even smelly, getting sand in every nook and cranny of our body, and we didn't care at all. Life seemed so simple then. We didn't have too many responsibilities or too many worries. We just could be a kid and go and play in our sandbox. And then we grew up, and life got complicated. Too many responsibilities, too many worries, getting pulled in so many different directions. And I think we all have those moments where we wish we could just go back to being a kid and just play in the sandbox. There's something to really appreciate about the simple things. And in those moments, we can slip back and, and be in our childlike behaviors especially when we experience it with our own kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. Those moments when we can see and experience the world through their eyes, and it's very different. When I have those moments, I get filled with joy because life just seems easier. It seems simpler, and I can just be content. Our children, they're wonderful teachers. They teach us so many important lessons. They give us all these different perspectives. And they help us see those simple truths that the world complicates. Or maybe we are the ones who really complicate them. In our scriptures today, we have a visual story, a way we can visually imagine Jesus interacting with the children. And we see how important they are to him, that they really are a priority to him. In Mark, Jesus is simply loving children. That's it, just pouring out his love on them. And through them, he shows us how much he values their simple ways. He shows the adults that 
the children will be the ones who teach us how to enter the kingdom of heaven. But there's more underneath the surface, because children during the time of Jesus were viewed much differently than we view our children today. We hold our children in such high regard. We strive to give them the very best we can. We help to create opportunities that maybe we never had growing up. And for a time, even though it seems very, very short, most of our lives revolve around our kids. But it wasn't like that at all during the time of Jesus. Children were considered unimportant. They were considered to be a bother and a burden on society. They were considered to be the lowest people in society, even lower than slaves. And a hard truth is, in Greece and in Rome, it was completely acceptable to leave unwanted children by the side of the road. And whatever happened, happened. So Jesus highlighting children in this way was almost revolutionary for this time. He was making an important point that might be a little lost on us today when we look at the way our children and our families are. And we could easily get the impression that from reading the passage in Mark that the disciples were annoyed by the presence of the children. But that really wasn't the case. Most likely, they were trying to protect Jesus' time. They were trying to guard his time so that he could really attend to those in need not the children, but the adults. Even though blessing the children was a common practice at that time, that parents would bring their children, especially their young boys, to the rabbis to bless, and Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher, so that was common. But even in that, culturally, the priority would always fall on the adults. And as we read in verse 14 in Mark, Jesus was indignant when he saw the disciples pushing the children away. That's a pretty strong word. And in Greek, that word is made up of two separate words, the first one meaning much, and the second one meaning to grieve. So the literal translation would be that Jesus was much grieved by what the disciples were doing. He was grieved by what he saw, though even culturally, this was the makeup of their society. But here we see that Jesus affirms and respects that children are people, and God created them. They have a purpose. It speaks of Jesus' heart for the dignity of the little ones in the community, that the last would become the first, and the least would become the greatest. And then we see Jesus is welcoming the children into his inner circle, showing them affection. I can imagine him laughing and playing with them and then laying his hands on them to bless them. He brought them into a place of honor. To him, they were not the least. Not one of them was forgotten. He saw and he heard them and he let them know that. When we examine this through the lens of the first century, can you imagine how significant that would have been for a child during that time? To be welcomed, to be noticed, to be seen. To know that they were simply loved because God made them. 
not because that they could help with family tasks, and not because that maybe they could bring in extra income for the family, and not even because of what their future lineage might represent, but simply because God made them. Perhaps this way that Jesus had with children would have been confusing to adults during this time. It was likely humbling to those who cared about what Jesus was doing. The great teacher, the great healer, the Messiah, who some hoped would swoop in and turn the tables of power in Rome. He was playing with children. Jesus sets the record straight by his very own actions. So now, perhaps, the adults' hearts were humbled enough to be ready to receive the teaching that Jesus had for them, the teaching Jesus has for us. So let's bring this up into modern times because our society, at least here in the United States, doesn't view children like they did in the first century. Jesus tells us in Mark 10 that in order for us to receive the kingdom of God, we have to be like little children. But why? So let's talk about three behaviors that we see in children. And there's a ton more to these, but I'm just going to focus on these three. The first one is obedience. So believe it or not, children have a natural tendency to want to obey. Now, I'm not talking about those in the terrible twos or the trying threes, but in general, children want to obey. They haven't fully discovered pride, and they haven't experienced full independence yet. They realize that there are needs that only an adult can fulfill for them. And now they can start to make the connection between obedience and rewards. They start to understand that obedience has benefits. We as adults, we struggle with obedience. We have enjoyed being independent. We enjoy calling our own shots. We enjoy earning our own rewards and then taking credit for them. But kids, they just want to make us proud. I remember when my oldest son, Caleb, was little. Every time I would try to help him with something, he would say, Mommy, Mommy, I do, I do. And he'd try to push my hands off. So I would say, OK, you do. And when he did it, he would be so excited. And he'd start yelling, Mommy, Mommy, I did it, I did it. And he would come with me full of excitement and full of so much joy because he actually did it. He didn't come with his chest puffed out, full of pride. He came with this simple joy, a joy that he wanted me to share in with him. What about when we succeed at something? Do we go to God with our joy and ask him to share in it with us? Or do we even go to God at all? How about authority and trust? Most kids accept authority. They learn at a very young age that there is a hierarchy within their family. They know that mom and dad are in charge. Even if they test you, they know that you're in charge. Children know that they don't know everything, and of course, unless maybe they're teenagers, but they do know. <laughs> they may want, not want to admit it, but they know. But adults, well, not so much. See, we really don't appreciate authority over us. We like to be in charge. We like to be in control. And we can be pretty set in our ways and in our beliefs. 
and our beliefs about everything and anything. We can be fooled into thinking that age and experience give us all the knowledge and wisdom we need. It certainly does give us an advantage, but we still don't know everything. And through our life experiences, well, it can make it a lot harder for us to trust. We don't generally trust easily. We know what it's like to have trust broken. The kids, they believe the very best of people. They believe us when we say things. They believe us when we make promises. They take us simply at our word because they don't expect people to go back on their word. They don't expect people to be bad. That's why when they're young, we put so much effort into not talking to strangers because we know the dangers, but they only see the good in everyone and everything. They trust so easily. So we should probably take some time and ask ourselves, does our lack of trust, perhaps maybe from some failed trust in other people, do we bring that into our relationship with God? Do we project our lack of trust for people to lack of trusting God? When I first came to the Lord, I struggled greatly with trusting God. It was probably the most difficult thing for me to be able to see God as a good father and to be able to trust him. And I struggled with that because my own father had left me before I was three. He failed me. And because of it, I struggled trusting God as a heavenly father. Especially for me, it was so hard to believe that this unseen God could actually be this really great, good father, one that would never leave me and would stay and, and love me no matter what because all I ever knew was how my earthly father didn't value me enough to stay. So I dragged, and I mean dragged, that all into my relationship with God. But our children could be good reminders of that simple trust. As they trust us, we can trust God and bring that into our relationship with him. God is not the father of those that may not did li may, didn't live up to our expectations on earth. God is not the person who all of those bad experiences we had with people, he's not them. And lastly, short-term memory. Now, I didn't say short-term memory loss. I said short-term memory. Kids have short-term memory. And what I be, mean by that is that they don't hold grudges or build up bitterness, especially when they're young. Kids keep giving chances because they believe in you. They believe that even if you mess up, the next time you're going to do better. They have faith in us. They forgive so easily because they're full of love. When my son Caleb was three, sorry Caleb, it's your day. <laughs> I was having a particularly difficult day, and obviously it was particularly difficult because I remember it vividly 11 years later. I was trying to do something and I was miserably failing at it. And I think even the word miserably may not even be strong enough. 
but it was like I was so frustrated and so upset, and the more I tried, the worse I made it. And so I finally just did what any frustrated, discouraged woman would do who was at her wit's end. I sat down and did the ugly cry. Now, women, you all know what I'm talking about, that ugly cry. And men, you know what I'm talking about, too, because when you see that, you run out the room. And if my husband was home, he would have picked Caleb up and ran out of the room. So I'm just being real with you so you can understand how ugly that really was. I remember saying stuff like, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. What am I going to do? And just sitting there bawling. And my son came over to me and started stroking my hair and said, Mommy, it's okay. I still love you. He didn't see any of my failures or shortcomings, and he witnessed them all. They were right in front of his face. But he didn't choose to focus on that. He saw mommy hurting. He saw mommy upset. And because he is so full of love, all our children are so full of love, they're moved by love to help, to love, to serve. All that other stuff about me, it didn't matter. And when that moment in time was over, he never held it against me. He never even mentioned it again. Maybe he doesn't even remember it. See, the essence of who I was and who I am to my kids and who you are and who you were to your kids, it's not built around moments in time that are imperfect. To kids, we are perfect, even in our imperfection, simply because they love us so much. But as adults, we are fantastic at pointing out each other's failures and shortcomings and not forgetting them. We are great at holding on to grudges, holding on to resentments, and forgetting the essence of what God has made. We are in God's image sinful and a wreck at times. But God forgives us simply because he loves us. Do we approach others the same way? Those are some really hard truths about us as adults. But if we were more like children, how might you be different? I know I would be. How differently would we love? How differently might we even approach our relationship God, with God? And may we even be able to break through some of our past experiences and truly trust and not let the wounded memories hijack our lives or our loves if we were more like children. Do you remember that story in the Bible about that young boy with five loaves of bread and two fish? We all love that story. It's like a sweet story about this little boy that comes and gives all that he has. We don't even know who this boy is. We never find out. And yet we've never forgotten what he's done. Now, as a child during this time, it would have been incredibly difficult to push through such a massive crowd. And then for a child to get an attention of an adult, let alone the attention of an adult, of a disciple of Jesus, was nearly impossible, yet he did. 
He made it through that crowd, and he made it all the way to the disciple Andrew, and he gave him what he had, all that he had, five loaves of bread and two fish. Everyone knew it was not enough to feed that crowd, but the boy was still willing to give it all. He wanted to help. And through that little boy's offering, Jesus performed a miracle and fed the 5,000. And actually, that number is closer to 15 to 20,000 people when you add up the women and children. That little boy has gone down in history. One child's offering affected tens of thousands of people. And it's very interesting that this story would be highlighted not only by John, but also by Matthew, Mark, and Luke, especially considering how children were viewed during that time. And through that child, we again learn another lesson about not focusing on the lack. That little boy gave everything. He didn't ask for one thing in return. He wasn't worried about what he didn't have. He wasn't worried about how he looked to others. He was just willing to give it all, and that somehow God would provide. He was willing to trust that God would multiply it and trust that God would use him. Now, if we read the story in John 4, before the boy comes on the scene, Jesus asked the disciple, Philip, where could we buy enough bread for everyone? And Philip responds, we don't have enough money to buy that much bread. He focused on the lack. And then we see this little boy come in who clearly knew what he had wasn't enough. But instead of being discouraged or feeling defeated, he gave all that he had anyway. See, if we're going to empower our children to bring Christ to the world, if we ourselves are going to live as though we are representatives of Christ to this world, I think we may need to go back to the sandbox because we're missing some things. We need to be reminded that we're nothing without our Heavenly Father. We need to be reminded that our Savior Jesus looks at us with loving eyes, forgiving us, showing us that we can trust him, that he will multiply our loaves and fishes, and that even if we've fallen short, and we all have, and we all will, and maybe you are struggling even right now in this very moment. But Jesus doesn't look at that. Jesus looks at how much he loves you. He looks at how much he wants to be with you in those moments. And he values you because you were created by the Heavenly Father. When we're able to come in and remove some of those grown-up hindrances, that overcomplicate our lives so much that our hearts become a bit purer. And we can remember that Jesus said, blessed are the pure of heart. He wants us to experience the kingdom even now on earth. He wants us to humble ourselves like a child. He wants our hearts to be childlike because he has so much to offer us right now. But we resist, and sometimes we don't even recognize that it's us that are hindering all that God has in store for us, hindering the fullness 
of who he created us to be. We sing the song, Jesus loves the little children all the time. But have you ever stopped to realize that each and every one of you are the little children? It's not about these little children. It's about all of God's children. So what would it be like if we could have that childlike heart where we knew without a shadow of a doubt that even in those awful, ugly moments where we do ugly cries, that Jesus comes and strokes our hair and says, it's okay, I love you. What about in those moments where we hold on to all the pains and the hurt and we can't let go and we just bring that right into our relationship with God and we just seem like we mess up time and time and time again and Jesus says, it's okay, I love you, I'm here. What if it's in those times where we're so scared? We don't know, will God really come through? How do we know that? And Jesus says, I love you. Here I am. Maybe if we can get back to those childlike hearts, and when we look at the eyes of our children, realize we're looking in the eyes of Jesus. Because all these things that I just talked to you about, are they not the essence of who Jesus is? So I think maybe, just maybe, it might be time for us to get a little dirty and go play in the sandbox with Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, oh, we just love you so much, Lord. We're so grateful for how you love us through anything and everything. Lord, your love never fails us no matter what. So we come before you, Lord, and we ask for your forgiveness for all those things that have hindered us from loving and acting like a child so that we can see you, so that we can have all that you want to give us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to remove those hindrances from our hearts. Help us to have eyes that see like a child and hearts that love like a child in you, Lord. You are so, so good. And we just want to bask in your goodness and love for us. We're not worthy of it, but all we can do is thank you, Lord, for loving us simply because you created us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>